Hi, I'm Danny Swanson, and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Lord Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better. All conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 I was just a boy and knew I'd have to wait Broken dreams and what might have been at that stadium by the shore. But those glory days of gold might return once more. Hello, hello, how do you do? We are the boys from New Bayview, and we're back with another episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. I'm Lord Michael McCall. I'm just Lee Gillis. Uh, I remain Doug Perry. I'm Captain Gordon Henderson. Yeah, You seem confused by that. It's just this week over here, it's our special AFT and soccer show. It's our 500th episode. And my fellow co-hosts bought me a lordship in Aberdeenshire. It's a, a five-foot plot of land that I may or may not be allowed to visit because it could be on private property. We're a bit undecided by that. So I, I've they've told me I've oh. got to call myself Lord just now. So I, I I got I got the same thing from my brother for Christmas, but it's not it's at some castle thing. So oh. technically I am also Lord. So maybe we should start the whole show again. Yeah, I think, think think we must have to. I'm, Poor I'm, Lee. I'm officially not a captain of anything. Just industry, a captain of industry, Gordon. Yes. Don't let you, anybody tell you otherwise. Gordon's the captain of our ship, of our ship, and the ship is a tanker. And Gordon, Gordon anyway. Is a... <laughs> Talking of songs, you may have noticed we've got a brand new theme tune, and it's an absolute cracker. And one of us is responsible for it. I'm really glad that you all liked it, guys. Um, I put a lot of, <laughs> I'm only kidding, absolutely <laughs> top work from our resident musician, Doug Perry. Oh, look, guys, I'm, that's very kind, but I'm taking almost no um, kudos for this. This was all you and Masson, who's the bass guitarist in our band, uh, ex-folk sort of singer, so always good at writing these sort of local type lyrics and it was all him all I did was sing it in a punk style which was you know against my want but uh yes no it's pretty cool I, um he's a he's a talented boy on that side of things so I hope everyone likes it I hates it I Frankly, really really yeah. liked it we've put it in our show over here as well so you'll get lots of airplay over here name check your band uh, the band's called got got need and we're just doing some recording just now. We've got our first gig lined up at Silverburn Festival. We're on the bill Ooh. in June, which will be cool. Nice. I think it's an excellent song. Let us know what you think. Tasked Doug, as he said, against his better judgment. I wanted something with a bit of a punky feel. None of this bedroom guitar nonsense that Lee seems to have fallen into the trap of loving. 
kind of hard to argue with that. I can't stop listening to Sam Fender just now, and I realise that since I've turned into my 30s, I've also turned into an 18-year-old girl. So, you know, that's what it is. You, you, don't, you don't look like an 18-year-old girl, if that's any consolation, Lee? Not even with my nice pink T-shirt that I have on right now. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, I don't, I don't know too many, too many bald, bearded, eighteen-year-old girls. Before we go any further, though, let's hear a little bit from this episode's sponsors. East Fife Community Football Club is proud to sponsor Glory Days of Gold. Keep up to date with all our community programs through our Facebook and Twitter pages. There are classes available for every age and ability, from toddlers to walking football. Just search East Fife Community Football Club. Today's podcast is brought to you by John W. Gilbertson Limited, a small, friendly, family firm of solicitors based in Glenrothes, who specialise in buying and selling residential property, wills, powers of attorney and executory work. On your team, on your side, supporting you all the way to achieve your goals. Well, it is a football show after all. Thank you, as always, to East Fife Community Football Club and John W. Gilson solicitors out of Glenrothes for their continued support all season long. And what a season it's turning into. The streak goes on. We're up to four. Unstoppable right now, I think, is the, the word we're looking for, Lee. Hashtag Crawball. I've been waiting to say it for since pretty much the, the first draw at, uh, when we played Alawa, but... Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think that by any stretch we were outstanding yesterday. I don't think the game was great, but, you know, Queen's Park are a really good side, a full-time side, obviously missing a few like top players like, like Simon Murray, but ultimately they didn't really trouble us that much. Jude maybe had one or two saves to make and, and did well from the penalty, but yeah, I mean, I think that we're, we're not shipping goals the way we were. We're not biscuit arson as soon as we can see the goal the way that we used to my, my, my main concern is as we've said several times is a lack of firepower up front really yeah it, from watching the highlights it did feel that if we only had taller goals I think we would have been out of sight in, in this game Gordon because that there was a lot of chances in the early going that just got blasted high and over yeah, I, I kind of missed. Um, I missed a lot of the first few minutes. Apparently, we had a lot of a lot of chances. That was the best know, bit in the game, by the looks of minutes. It. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, after that, I remember Connell had a sort of well, Connell put one over the bar. I think it ended up going quite a bit over the bar. Um, I think um, Queens Park's a tough one because as much as they're not, as much as they're not probably performing as as well as they should be. I think they're still quite a tough team to play against. I mean, every every time we played against them, I think you know you get the feeling that making chances against them is 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 quite difficult. Um, they obviously gave us a bit of a a nice wee head start. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's it's potentially not the game to kind of you know it's not it's not going to be a game where you're going to be getting a lot of chances. I mean, we we scored three last week, and we're probably not going to go on and score a barrel load of goals over the next few games um, but it was maybe not the best game to kind of judge how far we've come and that mm. um, missing Ryan Wallace as well obviously had a man yeah. of match performance last week and then we were missing him kind of mysteriously this week which doesn't oh, help okay I was going to say does anyone know why he was missing then because rolled his ankle at training ah 
he seems to just be getting to maybe glimpses of his old self and then he's out again and you're like, oh, what is it now? That's, that's, a, that's a tough one for us. So I, I've saved you to last, Doug, because I thought if anyone is going to enjoy that opening goal, it's going to be you. I'm sure you've got some nice words to say about the poor young boy, Ferry. It was... I, I'd read the chat and you guys talking about it and then I'd seen the East 5 Twitter and I, in my head I imagined what I thought it looked like and then someone sent me the video last night and I was like, oh, that's even worse than I had in my head. I, I, I was at the game uh, and I honestly can't remember a more bizarre or worse goal that's been conceded at Bayview possibly in my lifetime. Like, he kind of celebrated, but like I turned to my mate with this disbelief look and like, what earth just happened? Like, what? Did he literally just kick the ball in the goal? And I was like, my brother who was watching the stream then messaged like, oh, you saw the replay and it's like horrendous. And obviously seeing it subsequently, it's, I, I generally just can't think of a goal like it that I've seen anyway. Um, I mean, fair play to him. He made an unbelievable save about a minute later from Connell. Yeah, that was fantastic. But yeah, I... Yeah, I mean, the the worst thing for him was is it was so early. So every time the ball got anywhere near him from a pass back, it was the token. Oh, <laughs> the whole game, bless him. Um, but yeah, I I don't know about anyone else, but I cannot think of a more bizarre goal to happen in an East Fife game. Anyway, I think the only one that I could, springs to mind. I don't know if you remember, it was a cup tie ages ago against Forfa, and Paul Tosh. He tried to clear the ball, but ended up slicing it over his own head. And sort of, he was on the byline. He sliced it over his own head and into the top corner of his own net. That was different. I mean, it was like less just incompetent, but spectacularly bad on goal. But those two. I, I think there. I think as well, I might be wrong, but I'm sure Liam in commentary said something about, I mean, it was terrible from the goalie, but... Almost like he shouldn't have been put under that pressure. Yeah, I was like, going to say that because later in the commentary said he, he said it all broke down in the 18-yard line. It's like he played the ball back to his keeper. Yeah, yeah. no pressure at all. It wasn't. I don't Clear think the pass was even on target. Clearly, I mean, think Liam was a keeper. Eh? Yeah, it's the goalkeeper's union coming. Oh, it's definitely yeah. not. Never the keeper's fault. It must have just hit a funny little bit in the turf. And <laughs> yeah, that 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 was really bizarre. I, there was an own goal in World Cup qualifying over here. It was Canada Haiti, and the Haiti keeper, first choice keeper, hadn't been able to play. I can't remember if it was visa or COVID, so they'd got a Canadian-born guy of Haitian descent to playing goals for Haiti, and he basically kicked the ball in his own net as well. Yeah, and I remember like, that one? Mm. <laughs> who'd, who'd be a goalkeeper after that? He's five had quite a, a few chances. There was that Connell shot, which I, I think Connell hit it really well. And it was a top-class save from Ferry. It's like, you, you can't you can't say anything against that. But we did have a couple of other chances that went over the bar, hit the post, just went wide. I, I don't know if it's just where we are just now as a club, but if... Just one of those had gone in, you feel it would have been a whole different game. But we uh, we allowed Queen's Park off the hook, really, Lee. 
Yeah, we just don't get me wrong. Alo, Alo, game aside, we're capable of really putting teams to the sword a bit. We're like, you know, remember when you used to play Mortal Kombat as a kid and you'd be like, finish him. You know that, like, really, that is exactly where we sh- we should be. Yeah. Like, really, really going for it and and getting that that goal or two goals that really puts the game to rest. But I've said that a few times. Like, there's a team going to get an absolute doing from us. It's coming. Um, How many weeks have you been saying this for? How many weeks since the season started? <laughs> I mean, apart from uh, probably since Cove, because we do create enough chances. But I, I've said for a long time now, we, we miss a, a Jack Hamilton type player where just knows where the net is. Um, I think that Kyle Connell could be that player if he stopped all the fancy flicks and touches and just maybe tried maybe the simple option that little bit more. You know, we've got a couple of good players in, you know, Kevin Smith and, and Ryan Wallace, but I wouldn't say they're out-and-out strikers. I'd probably say they were forwards, or maybe, you know, Kevin Smith probably used to be a striker, but probably had to adapt his game a little bit more as as he's got on a bit. But we, we do definitely miss an out-and-out striker. Somebody told me that Darren Watson plays as a striker, and I'd be interested to see maybe what he could do if we could get his pace up against and like actually from the front but I, I really don't know I, I don't think that we've got an awful lot of goals in our team unfortunately I, I think my problem is Lee if you look at yesterday's game the first 15 minutes we had three or four chances obviously got the goal you know one of the posts after that I can't think of one we really created all game mm. I thought Q Queen's part bossed us from there on in yeah, I, I kind of had to disagree with you, but if we're talking historically, we do create a lot of chances. I mean, you've got to. There's one thing that I would say about the teams that we come up against that they, they, they tend to have two six foot four or five centre halves, and we punt the long ball to, to Connell and Wallace and expect them to, to compete against these sort of man mountain types. But really, if you had maybe, say, for example, Watson and Healy up front, you would be just saying, play a ball over the top of them and let them run on it. Um, I think personally that would probably be our best chance. I don't think Connell's got acres of pace from from what I've seen so far. I think he's relatively quick, but he's not to the same level as the sort of uh, Watson or, or Healy's got. But you know what? In, in Stevie Crawford, we trust, right? Um, certainly is, is how I'm feeling just now. You know, the last four results have been decent. Um and we just have to, you know, I, I think he's interviewed today. Again, when I read, when I seen it, I've, I've tweeted it out. If he told me, like, if we were sitting there having a chat, and he was like, look, my aim is to get his side for the Champions League in five years. I think I'd believe him. There's just something, like, he's just so engaging to listen to and, and inspiring almost. You're a bit like, right, yeah, okay, right, I can see that. And, and you could see the pain when we lose, but you always get raw honesty from him. I, I think he's got what it takes to, to make a really good manager for us now. Whether it's too far gone this season is, is to remain to be seen. You know, if you'd asked me even two weeks ago if I thought we had any chance of staying up, I'd have said no. But part of me is succumbing to that belief. You know, your brother tweeted me today, um, Doug, is this enough to, to get Lee to start being positive? Potentially. I think that if, if, if we're, we're not conceding silly goals anymore, if we could just find that little bit of spark up front, then maybe it's possible. What is it you're drinking? Right yeah, I was going to say, 
Your, your comment of uh, if Crawford told us we'd be playing Champions League football in five years, I might believe him. Just maybe puts the final nail in the league. Ellis is a moron coffin. <laughs> that's that's been nailed for a long time, to be fair. But no, like obviously you take my point that it was in jest, of course, Douglas, of course. But it's just obviously I will be cutting out this part where he says it's in jest. Just make it make him sound like he believes it. Yeah, I mean, ninety nine percent of our listeners think I'm a moron anyway, so I don't think it makes a difference. I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't completely disagree with Lee, obviously with certain things um i think i think the fact is just we're so much more solid now i think i'd like to think greg mcdonald's played a big big part in that defensively where we just we just don't look like we're going to get really turned over at the moment which is pretty good i mean we could go to falkirk next week and get at risk five, of this but... sounding like the lee and doug show and i'll ask you the question directly gordon there's a correlation of Ross Dunlop coming back and us being undefeated. I was He's just, I was outstanding. I was that was just coming into my head. You know, we were talking about sort of being a bit more solid, a bit more hard to beat. And one of the things that stood out for me is how well Ross Dunlop has been playing recently. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's not it's not just about Ross Dunlop. I think the whole team, um, you know, it's it's a it's a team effort to make us hard to beat, which we have been over the past month or so, but having Ross Dunlop back and in good form uh, is a big positive. I think he's made a big difference. It's two weeks in a row, I think he's been absolutely solid. Um, and I think maybe from the past, a, a criticism you could make him sometimes is you know, he often sort of tries to play about a little bit too much, he can get caught out, but not seen any sign of that. Um, and he's been really, really good the last couple of weeks. I mean, he lost his man for the Alwa goal, but I mean, you heard Stevie Crawford come out and say, look, Ross has put his hands up in there and said, I've lost my man. And, you know, fair enough, you know, that that's what's going to happen at, at lower league football, right? But ultimately, some of the tackles he's put in, he saved Chris Higgins' skin yesterday um, after um, Higgy dropped one, but Higgy again yesterday, brilliant. Yeah. My, my, my Probably my criticism in the first half... <laughs> I don't like criticising him because I love him, but Aaron Steele was very, very shaky um, that first half yesterday and, and we were getting hammered down that left-hand side. And when I, t- I actually tweeted out, I was a bit like, I think maybe time to take Aaron off and bring Stuart Murdoch on. And then half-time you see Stuart Murdoch trotting up the tunnel. I'm like, Stevie Crawford's obviously got glory days of gold on his, on his phone and has the alerts set up and he's listening to our advice. But... He then takes off Jamie Semple, and I was a bit like, mm, right, okay, that's a, a bit of a strange decision, but ultimately it looked to be the right one because Murdoch and Miller in the second half were excellent. We just needed more in midfield, Lee. We were, because they were bossing it. Just the way they play, you know, the, it's the sort of passing around the back and, you know, beat the beat the press sort of thing. Going back to Aaron Steele, I agree. I don't think he's suited as much to the right back, but he had no protection from young Watson on the wing. He, defensively, he was all over the shop. Just didn't know when to track runners, or and I think that's a big. He was getting two on one for fun, uh, yeah. and steel. And it, ha- it actually happened a little bit on the other side a wee bit at times as well. But it was, uh, yeah, I think that was a lot more down to not getting much protection than maybe happened. he definitely didn't have a great game. I mean, the penalty that he gave away was a shocker. Yeah. What What was the formation? Because BBC had it as three four two one. 
It was four at the back to start with. Right, because was... when I saw that, I was like, oh, we gone for three at the back? I couldn't really yeah. tell from the, the highlights. Mercer and Dunlop, kind of Higgins mm. and Steele on the right. Um, potentially playing... Um, in fact, I, uh, quite difficult to say, but I think he said that we had three in behind Connell in the first half. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I would say that I'm going to, again, stick up for Steve Crawford is, is he made a, a bold call to bring off Semple at half-time. Mm. And it's not the sort of call that he would have seen from, from Darren. You know, Darren wouldn't have made that change till 75 minutes in and probably been 3-1 down by that. And it just shows you that Crawford's got the the gumption to make a change and make it early. I couldn't tell you the last time that we'd made a sub. That I'll be wrong in some to say it was last week, dickhead, but that we made a sub, like, uh, for a, sort of a tactical substitution at halftime rather than it being an enforced one from, like, a sub, uh, like a, an injury or something like that. But it's good to see we're moving in the right direction. I, st- I still don't know what our identity is, like, whether we're just soak up pressure and encounter. But I don't really care as long as the results come in. Yeah, see, that's that's my philosophy in football as well. Like, if we grind out 1-0 victories, I, I take that. It's a big thing over here that folk want to be entertained. And it's like, fuck that, just get your three points. Just get the win on the board. Because we had a manager here, Carl Robinson, that I've spoken about before. He played pretty negative football. And it was soaking up the pressure and hitting on the counter. And if you've got the players to do it, if it works, it's great. The problem is when it doesn't work, you're not getting the results and it's shit to watch. It's risky as well. But I think we've spoken about this before. The key has been to stop shipping goals. Because if you can't stop doing that, you've not got a chance. So even if, if we get through games not conceding, we've at least got a point. If you look at it that way, if we just give up one, it makes a job easier. But if we're, if you're giving up two or three goals a game, you've not got a chance. So Crawford's done well with that, and if it if it means a pretty defensive outlook for most of the rest of this year, but we can get a point here, get a win here, I take that. And I know it might not be pretty to watch, but right now, who cares? We've just got to get points. Yeah, you're in a relegation battle. I mean, entertainment just doesn't even come into it right now. It was two goals conceded in four games. That's a fantastic yep. turnaround from w- what we were talking about a few weeks ago. And ah, you're right. If if you're only conceding you know, one or zero goals a game, you're always in it. You've always got that wee chance. And that's, that's just what we need right now. Could we be the Morton of this league in that we just suddenly hit a, a f- bit of form and start to to get these results. Lee's shaking his head. He's not confident for that. We need to start scoring goals. And at, at risk of repeating myself constantly, unless we do that, that's not going to happen. But there's something that I want to bring up, and, and I know we've not gone too much into the game, but let's be honest, not much really happened the second half anyway. But yeah. a lot of fans are screaming about Jack Keeley, right? Which again, mm-hmm. local lad, you know, shows a bit of flair. I'm going to make a call here that Jack Healy is Brian Fairbairn 2.0. Um, oh, that's interesting. That he's going to be loved because he's got a bit of flair, a bit of trickery, try hard, and he'll do 
what will get the fans off their seat. But I've not seen any end product yet. And until no. we really see that end product, I think what Cross doing is right and, and bleeding him in. But equally, he scored goals for fun at the Lowland League, right? Mm-hmm. So do we risk saying, I'll tell you what, right, Jamie Semple, you're not playing next week. We're going to play Jack Healy and let him run at them. Just let them run. I think that would be a fair thing to do. From what I've seen of him, he's obviously got pace. He's obviously got that kind of trickery. He can beat a man. And there's that wee bit of excitement there. And certainly at League One level, you know, he doesn't quite look like he's he's kind of got that end product yet. Or he's maybe not had the opportunity to, to kind of show that he's got it. Um, but I think from his subs, from his the whatever he got, like maybe 15, 20 minutes yesterday, I thought he was causing them some problems. And I think he's worth, you know, it's certainly a, a fair thing to say, you know, could he start games? Yeah, I wouldn't. I think that's entirely fair. I mean, like I said, I'm not going to be one of these people that's losing the head and screaming for him to start every game. But I think there was enough there. But I think he does look like one of these, you know, he is very young. He, he doesn't have much experience at this level. He won't have much experience playing against, you know, defences as good as Queen's Park, Cove, Airdrie, these types. And I think he's, he's maybe going to learn a bit. If we're playing a Clyde, a Peterhead, yeah. you know, go, go and let him play against those up, teams. But if you're up, coming up, up against... against aye, say you're coming up against Dumbat and, and it's McGeever and Buchanan. He'll, he'll mm. get ragdolled by them. Ah, you could have put him you know up what against mean? what you were saying when we were playing Clyde, you know, and they're playing Johnny Page and Mark Dockery at fullback. Yeah. Get Healy on and get him, get him running at these two. Yeah. Yeah. The, the flip side of that, though, is those are the games that we can probably get points from. So do you take that risk with a young guy or do you go with someone that's proven? I mean, he might be one of these guys that. Like, Fairbairn was one of those guys. You brought him off the bench and he added a spark right away to the team. Maybe Healy's going to be that guy. That's the thing, like, I loved Brian Fairbairn because I was at that age where I was probably only used to really watching Premier League players and he'd come on, he'd do a couple of step-overs, he had the bright, shiny boots and the professional footballer's haircut. And, yeah. You know, he just, he just fell in all that sort of stuff, sort of hook, line and sinker, right? But... For a lot of our listeners, that's that summed up Brian Fairbairn, and I'm not saying that you know Jack Healy is a show pony or anything like that, because I think that the kid's clearly got potential, and you don't go and score the goals that he did at the Lowland League if he isn't a good player. But until he either a gets a chance and we see what he's like over seventy minutes, eighty minutes to to, to see what he could do, I, I'm I remain in the camp of being unconvinced that. Is any different slash better than what we've got? Hmm. I think. Uh, I mean, I think the liking of Brian Fairbairn is a is a tough call, you know, for a youngster trying to make his grade in football. He, Fairbairn was absolutely pish. Um <laughs> But I would say my only thing, I, I have seen nothing from Dan Watson apart from that he's quite quick to suggest that Healy's any worse or better than him. Uh, is my only thing. Um, I, I, I think he's maybe. I agree. I mean, he came on yesterday, did a couple of sort of wee step overs, and 
the thing is, both of them are up against the Queen's Park left back, who was very good, I thought, and very quick as well, because there's a couple of times he got in a foot race or Watson, you're like, oh, here we go. It's like, oh, he's not catching him. So it's difficult. I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't swap the two over. I think I think at the moment, though, you're, we talked about last week, Aloe are pretty rubbish. Queen's Park are a good side. Falkirk are going to be a decent side. Montrose are a decent side. We talked about these games, you're trying to get anything from. That's the first one we've got someone out of, which is good. Um, if we can, if we, I mean, if we could draw the next two games, for example, we'd be over the moon, really, at picking up three points from them. And then, then you go to your Dumbarton at home, whatever it is, Clyde away, all, you know, these games that you realistically, we know for a fact, if we're going to stay up, we have to win at least two of those three. Um, so it's difficult for Crawford. I, I think he managed the game very well yesterday. I agree. I thought his substitution of Sempo was brave, but it was definitely the right thing. And to be fair, I think even Crawford said that whether it was Sempo or someone else, you know, it wasn't necessarily a slight on Sempo. It was just one of the wider players had to go, basically, mm-hmm. to shore things up. But no, I, 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 yeah, I agree. I think labelling him fair bear, no. That, that's showing your naivety when you were young, with Brian yeah, but that's favorite. it. Is it because of the hair? By the way, Brian Fairburn had a decent career, so I'm not having the fact that he was off a shite. But he went over and he was playing in Malta and that sort of stuff. De- decent enough player. But what I'm saying is, is until I see more, that's the player that I like him to. That you just yeah. sort of bring him off the bench for a bit of creative flair. I'm not. To be honest, I think he'll go on to have a better career than Brian Fairburn. I think that he's got the potential to be a top player. But until we get the opportunity to see more of that, it's a difficult call to make. But you look at like um, like Fash as well when he first started getting appearances for us. You know he comes on again like young local lad. He's quick. You can see he's got talent. But it, it took him quite a while to become a sort of effective striker. It took him quite a while to start scoring goals regularly and become the player that you know he obviously went on to become. I think a big, aye, a, and That's a big it. part of that is you know he was clearly a very very good player at a lower level, but then he steps up and it's it's a different league. You know, it's you've got to become a bit savvier, a bit tougher. You've got to learn. And Jack Healy just has not had enough minutes at League One, I think, to to kind of be able to do that yet. So, you know, the jury's out on him, um, and but I certainly wouldn't be someone who's like you know. Crawford's got to start him or, you know, he, he can't start him. Um, you know, there's got to be a bit of a bit of learning with these young players. And you could argue that right now is maybe not the time f- for it in terms of getting starts. But, you know, he will be potentially useful off the bench. But, you know, if he starts the game, fair enough. For that to be effective, of course, we've got to still be in the game. By the time that he comes off the bench as well, otherwise you're, you're kind of wasting that. I mean, but we've talked about the lack of goals I mean, you look at the team yesterday, and you've got Co- first half, Connell, Denham, Semple. You've you've got Watson there as well. So there's guys that you would feel are able to to put the ball in the back of the net. Swanson again didn't start. Came off the bench. Have we had any update as to when he's close to starting? But to be honest, it it just shows you how subjective football is, right? Because I don't know if you've seen one of the tweets that we got from long-term East Fife fan, long-term listener of the show, and this isn't a slight on, on Andrew by any way, shape, or form, but Andrew Doig at Doigatron1, 
his tweet is Swanson done. He looked um, in terrible neck yesterday and was miles off it. I disagree. I thought, I thought really Swanson came on yesterday yeah. and he was really decent. Some great touches. He made some great passes. The vision's clearly there. I think he's looked yeah. decent as the weeks have gone on. He just needs his fitness up. And it's very difficult to get your fitness up at a part-time level. Yeah. What I would hope is that in midweek at training is that maybe on a Tuesday or the Thursday, or probably the Tuesday actually, we're just playing bounce games. And it's these are bounce games to get Danny Swanson fit. You know, at risk of uh, almost Donald Trump-esque rant makes Swanson fit again because as soon as we get him firing on all cylinders, that's the difference maker that we've talked about so many times in this show. His vision is streets ahead, streets ahead. And one of the passes that he played through to, to Kevin Smith yesterday, Kevin Smith two, three years ago gets onto that and we probably score. So I couldn't disagree more about the Swanson quote. And as a matter of fact... If he comes and gets fit and looks as decent as he's looking now, I would get the contract out for next year. I think, to be fair, when you were at the game, he is definitely carrying timber. Mm. There's no doubt about that. Because when he came over at the touchline, me and my mate, and I heard other couple of people saying it was like, oh, there's a bit of a, there's a, there's a definite bit of gut going on there. Probably for not playing football for a long time, I get that. Um, it, I mean, he misplaced a couple of really bad passes, one that almost let Queen's Park in. But I agree with you. When he's when he's on it, you can tell there's that sort of upper level of a football intelligence that he's got compared to others. Um, I, I think Andrew's being very harsh, but I can see where he was coming from a little bit, having been there. Yeah, we can it's effectively get... starting from scratch with fitness. Yeah, right? absolutely, absolutely. It, it's tough if if we can get the balls is August. Yeah. Can we, are we allowed no, to do friendlies? Like, I don't know what the COVID rules are over there. Like, can we get friendlies organised yeah. to get him we've, games? We've played a couple of bounce games. I think we played St Andrews United or something like that. But look, even if we play the under-20s, or even if we're just in some sort of competitive, semi-competitive game just to get him through it and running his arse off. And and I think the thing with Danny is, though, is he's probably need to be putting it in on the days he's not at training as well. Mm. Because... If he really wants to, I mean, in his interview, which I loved after the, I think it was after the Alloa game, actually, he came out and he was like, look, I owe it to this club to get back and and get playing because they've stood by me. You know, I barely kicked the ball for them for two years. And if he genuinely believes that, I hope that he he is doing a little bit extra to try and get himself fit because these games are coming thick and fast and the, the, the end is nigh. You know, the end is nigh, the Homer Simpson bell chant, you know, like... If, if we've got any chance of, of staying up, we need a fit Danny Swanson. 100%, I believe that. This I, is a good I League One that, as well. It's a good quality yeah. now. It's not the old League One. No. I would be unbelievably surprised if he's not put in the shift. Otherwise, he'd have probably just retired. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There'll be that thing as a football where you go, can I really be arsed with the sort of rehabilitation and going through this at my age and probably my last season, maybe two seasons in football. So... No, you can obviously tell he's been itching to get back. And I think, yeah, we played St Andrews United. Yeah, I know the assistant manager quite well up there and he was saying that Swanson was very good in the time he had on and looked sort of a class above quite a few. And um, Yeah, no, look, well, yeah, if, if we've got a chance of surviving, he could be huge in that. There's no doubt about it. Last couple of things just to talk about going back to the game. Just both in the first half, because as Lee said, not really much to, to write home about in the second half. The Queen's Park goal, 
Liam Brown, hell of a strike. It's I, when I when I watched it at first, I was like, oh, I need to see that back and see could we have closed him down a bit more. I don't think they had a chance. They maybe gave him a little bit too much room right off the bat, but by the time that one of our guys, I don't know who it was, was going towards him, the ball was well flying into the net. It was so well struck. And it's it's not a position I think where. <sighs> You know, it's a position where most of the time you're quite happy to let someone take a pop from there. You know, you, there's you think your chances of scoring are very low. Mm. You're you're potentially not leaving your man to to close down someone who's hitting it. You know, um, first first goal for that distance. He's just caught that absolutely fantastically, and I think I think sometimes you just need to go. All ah, right, fair enough. Yeah, that was brilliant. It, it was a rub of the green goal for me because I remember when it happened. If you see it in the the replay, one of their boys goes to head it back towards goal, and he jumps at the wrong time, and he head it just comes off the back of his head and goes back to the boy who lays it off. So it's these little tiny things. You think if that if that boy had jumped properly and timed it well, we probably would have cleared it and it wouldn't have happened. And like Gordon's saying, when, at this level, you don't mind a boy hitting it from there. Sometimes the fact that I had to go through probably you know, 14 players yeah. in around that area and not hit any of them is, you know, it was a great strike, don't get me wrong, but it was that little bit of luck again. But I think we might have had a wee bit of luck with their, with our goal, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it was a clear penalty, Lee. There was, there was no doubt about that. Great save from, from Jude. Yeah. Stonewaller, as, as much as you could say Stonewaller, Stonewaller, that, and, it's what we're saying about Aaron. He, he was kind of getting done that first half. Great save from Jude. You know, I, I don't know if you watched his interview. Poor Scott Angles no. had to literally drag one out of him. And it clearly, obviously, doesn't have a media liaison officer at his five. <laughs> but, you know, probably a bit nervous, not used to it. But great save from Jude. But these very scary moments with Jude keep creeping in week on week that he's, he's made a couple of wrong calls. And luckily, we've not really been punished for them. But He's still a miles better keeper than, than Scott Gallagher and he's what we've got, right? But I mean it also made a good save in the first half where I think the ball just kinda hit him. Um but he is a top keeper. Great save from the penalty and really got us the point, pretty much. it's one of those things like I was gonna say, if we do survive, that's one of those moments you look back on as oh that's a that's a season changer. Do you know what I, I like about Jude Smith? And you're absolutely right. He's he's definitely flapped at a few. But he keeps coming for them. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Uh, there's something about that in a young kid. You think, you know, good on you. Because it's very easy just to stay in your line and a guy gets a header and, you, and nobody really blames you. But to actually, it reminds, it reminds me of a wee bit of Ridgers in terms of Ridgers was, yeah. at a young age was always like, I'm coming for this. Even if it's on yeah. the penalty spot, I'm which is great, but he was a much bigger built boy than Jude Smith is. Um, yeah. And actually, very quickly going back to your Jack Healy, it's probably the same with Jude Smith, and it's what Fash did brilliantly, is in that off-season, he absolutely bulked up massively. Like, yeah. Fash came back from being a wee skinny boy to a powerful, bullying player, uh, and that's just... what even, even Smith needs that, Healy needs that. You can see it, because they're just wee kids. Fell out of that. Yeah. yeah, I think it's it's very easy to forget how young Judy is. He really is. Um, what is like nineteen something like that? And ultimately, 
this is his first se- like season in professional football, and he's made a lot of great saves for us this season so far. He's going to have an incredible career. He really is going to have an incredible career, and I think he'll end up. Do you know who he reminds me of more is Liam Kelly? Similar sort of build, great shot stopper, and I think he'll go on to have a similar career to Liam Kelly. Um, maybe not like English Championship, but definitely Scottish Premiership. He's got that potential, I think. Yep. So let's seen. let's do our three, two, ones then from the game. We'll we'll kick off with Gordon. Uh, Three points, Ross Dunlop, that he kind of mentioned before. I just thought he had a really, really solid game. Can't can't really remember any time when I thought he made a mistake. He used the ball well. He kind of won all the battles that he needed to. Um, two points I've given to Jude Smith. Big, big save for the penalty. And can't blame him for the goal. And I thought he was generally solid otherwise. And one point to... Chris Higgins, uh, aye, he did have he did have one particularly hairy moment for what I can remember, but other than that, very solid game. DP, um, I've also gone three points to Ross Dunlop. I I've always been a big fan of Dunlop. I think he's a, he he will occasionally have an error, but I think he's he's a bit of class there at centre half that we've lacked our composure, and I thought he. He bailed out Higgins a couple of times in the second half, just positionally very good. Cleared sort of one off the line um, when we were sort of back so on. Won almost every header I can think of. But I thought he was very good. Two points I've gone to Kieran Miller. Just that, again, it's, there's not much more you can say about Miller in terms of what he does. Just gets stuck in and gets himself in the way and does what he does. I thought he was really good. And my one, I've gone Jude Smith. Same thing. Made... You know, two obvious saves, but the penalty at the time of it as well, right before half time, was we would, if that had gone in, we would definitely not have got anything from that game. Yeah, that would certainly have tested what, what this team was made of if they, they'd gone in behind. It would have been a, a killer blow, I think, Lee. And who would you go with then for your 3 2 1? Almost, well, I think it is actually identical to the three points Ross Dunlop. Absolute outstanding performance from him yesterday. You know what, I probably owe him a bit of an apology because at the start of the season, I called him out a few times, but he's definitely been great last um, three weeks. Two points, I don't think he could not give to Kieran Miller an absolute workhorse in the middle of the pack. Made a couple of good forward passes yesterday. His distribution isn't great, but he'll definitely put the bit of bite that you need in the midfield. And one point, I mean, I actually almost feel guilty giving Jude one point because he probably... Does deserve more, but two players had better games than him. But penalty saves outstanding, two good saves as well. But yeah, that's me. So that draw gave us a point, leaves us five points adrift at the bottom now from Peterhead, who have two games in hand. Looking above that to Dumbarton, we're seven points behind them, having played the same number of games. Now, Dumbarton went down yesterday. To, I don't know if you would call it a shock. I mean, it was at home, but they went down to a 2-1 defeat to Aloha. Aloha's winning goal came at eight minutes to go. A draw there, I think, would have been the the result we really wanted because I don't know which one of those two teams is going to shit the bed as we, we get into the run-in, if either of them are. But that, I, I don't know, I think that might be enough to kickstart Aloha and keep them safe. 
So I think we might just be looking at Peterhead and Dumbarton as the two teams that we're looking to to try and track down here. Peterhead went down yesterday to a narrow 1-0 defeat to Airdrie. Did you guys watch the Peterhead game on, on Monday night? And not yeah. all of it. I got the first half and then maybe a little, sort of first 10, 15. They were superb. Yeah. I, I... The, the football they played, though, was weirdly... I've, I've never seen a Peterhead team play like that. Yeah, because I thought I had to pinch myself to see if I was dreaming. The commentators were using phrases like, Peterhead play football the right way. And I'm like, what? Is this the same Peterhead that, we, that we've been playing in a league with over the last few years? And, oh, if Peterhead play like this, they've got the quality. No, there's no way that they'll they'll get relegated. They'll be climbing the table in no time. It's very That's... different when you're playing a, a cup game against a big yeah. team. I mean, like, look talk... at us going all the way back to beating Hibs in 84. You're not saying that that East Fife team was at the same level as a Premier team week in, week out. No. I mean, they were talking about that on uh, View for the Terrace. On Friday, that this exactly the same sort of quotes and saying it just doesn't work like that. There's so many examples you can pick out, like Bonnie Rig Rose. I know came pretty agonisingly close to beating Dundee a few years ago, but if you put ba- them in the Premier League, yeah, you put them in the Premier League, they'd get cuffed week yeah. in week out. It's it happens, but Peterhead in the last five games in League One have picked up two points, so. They're clearly not able to replicate that performance consistently. I think as well, I noticed there there are two games in hand. I think are Falkirk away and Airdrie away or something like that. Queen's Queen's Park Park. away. Yeah, Yeah. tough games. So you'd like to think on a Tuesday night, that might be tough for them to get much from. Yeah, One old draw with Queen's Park, obviously, because that's all that Queen's Park do. Yeah, 15 draws this season, it's crazy. That's insane. I mean, the other results yesterday, Montrose and Clyde played out one one draw, so Clyde getting a point there. Cove beating our opponents next week, Falkirk 2-0. Lee Griffiths getting the start for Falkirk up front with Anton Dowds. That's a, a worrying pairing to go up against next week. Yeah, I'm nervous about that, to be honest. I, I, I don't think we'll get anything out of, of Falkirk away next week. Um, they, they did lose I, Brad Mackay, one of their regular starters in the back. He got sent off yesterday, but I don't know that that'll yeah. cause too much of an issue for us. I mean, they're on a bit of a decent run of form. I don't think they're a great side. I really don't. But Dowden Griffiths up front is a championship forward line. The thing is, are, are they on a, that decent a run, really? I wouldn't say that. I, I think we've got more of a chance of getting someone from Falkirk away than Montrose away. What I was going to say, from looking at the stats from yesterday, like that is two really good strikers, and I agree with Lee. It is a championship, probably front line. They only had eight shots to Cove's twenty, and of those eight, only two of them were on target. I look Lee Lee Gillis. (laughs) Lee Gillis is a great signing for Falkirk. Please sign just in time for Saturday League. Um, <laughs> so so I, many similarities between the two as well. The only thing I'll say about Griffiths is it was a long time ago before he, since he scored two goals for Scotland with three kicks against England. He's done absolutely hee-haw anywhere he's gone since. I, I'm not convinced he's suddenly going to score 15 goals between now and the end of the season. Well, he got pulled off Genuinely yesterday as not. well, but he'd probably enjoy that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, yeah. I, as I say, I, I think we've got a wee chance of getting someone next week. I'd be less enthused about the Montrose game just because we'd never get anything at Montrose. But yeah, I mean, Falkirk are like Queens Park. They're they're underperforming. You can look through their squad and their full time, and you can look at some of the players they have, but they're just not performing at the level they should be, which mm-hmm. means that there's always a chance. And like Doug says, Griffiths is, you know, he's a big name, and you look. You look at the talent that he's had in the past, but again, he's not been he's not been doing it um, for a long time. So I, I think I think it's the curse of the sort of full time setup thing at this level. Like, I mean, the Queens. I was saying to my mate yesterday, the Queens Park team sheet. I don't know about you guys, but there's for me, there's only about three guys I even recognise the name of. Like, there's half of them I'm like, I don't know where they've come from. Why well, um, went to the Falkirk bench yesterday, and I was like, I have no idea who most of these guys are. This, they've been signing yeah. a lot of players for like you know low levels in England, or they've been getting in loan guys from sort of Championship clubs in England. And I'm the same; I didn't recognise a lot of the, these guys' names. I took a quick yeah. look at their squad on Wikipedia, and a lot of them, they're you know they're get they're bringing up from England and stuff, and you know you don't recognise them. And there's a few good players in there, definitely, but a lot of them I think are just we've spoke about it before so many guys are going to come up from England thinking oh it's a scoosh up here it's like Scottish football tier 3 and it's it's certainly not Falkirk like you're talking to Doug about the curse of the full time I don't know that they will be full time next season if they do not go up because right now they're four points off the playoff the last playoff spot that is Queen's Park which if Queen's Park keep just drawing could get clawed back but four points off that, Martin Rennie has been given the job to the end of the season only, which is a bit of a strange one. And to me, it kind of it reeks of one of two things: either he's untested in Scottish football, so they 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 want to see how he can do. He's a lifelong Falkirk fan, maybe get a bump from that, or it's that they know that they're not going to be full time next year if they don't go up, and they can't afford to then have a full time manager. Because this is a guy that's managed at top levels and had good money here and in in Korea, I think it was he went to. I wondered whether if Martin Rennie and Kenny Miller are kind of sort of pals-ish or, you know, decent acquaintances, whether part of the deal was you come into the end of the season with Miller's assistant and then Miller takes over next season, I don't know. Maybe. Rennie brought Miller over to Vancouver to play in MLS. He was the guy that signed him. So they've obviously got a good relationship that's continued since then. But that, yeah, that would maybe make sense. Just get... Because I, I think knowing Martin Rennie, he's going to have way more ambitions than being in third tier in Scottish football. But at the same time, this is the club he supported as a boy. So it's like if any one of us got the chance to manage his fife, if you're a football manager and you're out of a job and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, the team you've supported all your life you've got a chance to go and do it, you're going to go and do it. Yeah. And it's not, um, you know, it's not like you could look at Stevie Crawford coming in his fife at this point in the season and say, oh, that's a tough job. That's a tough job. Nobody's going to say, you know, if, if, if we got relegated, no one's going to say, oh, Crawford's you not know, fucked that up. Nobody's going to say that. But Martin Rennie coming into Falkirk, it's like, look, I know there's some teams spending money in this league, but you've got a full-time team. You've got a squad which... You know, between them and Queen's Park, it's probably you know the the most expensive in the league. You're a full time team in a mostly part time league. 
you should be doing better. Like you know, no, the the league's beyond them, but you should have the expectation that you're you're putting results together, and they're just not. The goal differences um, in the minus, they're minus two, yeah. and Peter Head's letting less goals than them. So I mean that that gives us some hope there, but. We, we've struggled the last couple of seasons when we've gone through to Falkirk. We've just not put in good performances. It is hard to see us getting much from it. Doug, give us a, a little prediction. Oh, well, it's my birthday next Saturday, so I'm going to be. I'm going to suggest that we're going to give me a great birthday present. Are you going um, to the game? I am not sure, probably. I've not really got anything on. You know, what a birthday treat. <laughs> I'm going to go, go for one all again. Um, it's it's probably more hope than expectation, but I, I think there's a result there for us. Hmm. Gordon, uh, I'm, I hate to do it, but I'm going to be a little bit pessimistic. I think partly, like you said, we just we haven't really got much through at Falkirk, and so when I think about it, I can't I can't really visualise us kind of getting anything there. I don't think we'll take a doing, but my prediction is we get beat one 0 Lee, what are you thinking? Falkirk don't draw much. I'm just looking. They've got the joint lowest amount of draws in the, the whole league at five. Nine wins as well, which is the, the fourth best in the league. So they either win or lose for, for the majority of the games. What are you going for? You've been optimistic in the show so far. I'm going to ruin it, but it's prediction. <laughs> but we, we tend to play well against Falkirk, and the last time we were through there, we pasted them for 90 minutes. I, I walked away from there thinking that I couldn't believe that we hadn't won. But didn't they win two or three nil though? No, I don't think oh. it was as much as that. Two one, I think. Maybe. Yeah, it was oh. two one, I think. I'm pretty sure we I might be thinking of up. one of the other games from last season. Did we not go one nil up in that game? I can't remember. I think, um, we did, I think yeah. it was in like September, October time, I think. But look I'm not full of confidence for, for this one. Um, I don't think for Falkirk are a particularly good side. I just, I'm not sure where the goals come from in it. I'm going to predict a 2-0 defeat, I'm afraid. I think 2-0 or 3-0 to Falkirk. I just don't know that, that we can break them down. And yeah, Dowds and Griffiths, potentially terrifying, but they will take a bit of time to get some chemistry going as well. And... There is a lot of pressure on Griffiths to perform because everyone thinks, oh, you're down in the third tier. He's going to just smash it. And he knows if he doesn't smash it, getting a deal away from Falkirk is going to be tough for him. Because, I don't we're, know. We're, un we're unbeatable at the moment. I mean, I can't even remember the last time I lost. Uh, the, the, the one thing I will say uh, from yesterday, that's the best bench in terms of strength I've seen us have for a long time. Like, there was genuinely options everywhere on that bench which is that's not happened for a while so just even Dan Young talked about but you know that lack of getting your first choice 11 anywhere near the pitch makes a big difference mm. but maybe just maybe the sort of timing of everything is is falling into place nicely would, would you tweak this the starting lineup for next week at all uh, Murdo's got to start for me next week mm. Murdo has that? to start Murdo yeah if we're going I, four at the back Murdoch right back's a stick on for me. And if Wallace is fit, he's got to play. Um, although 
Danny Denham's actually improved me, um, impressed me the last couple of times. Yeah, me too, him. actually. From yeah. um, obviously, I'm just getting a small snapshot from the yeah. highlights, but he's he has looked good and sharp, and he's yeah. back. He to gets his best. stuck in, Danny, doesn't he? Yeah, he gets stuck in. Um, I think in general, I think everyone's getting better. I mean, for me, again, first half, I thought uh, Ryan Blair first half was very good. Mm-hmm. He struggled a wee bit in the second half, but just because he's not got much pace, so he was you know getting balls in decent years. But I thought first half he was really good again. Um, yeah, it's it's nice to actually think that the difficulty is who do we drop now? That's been a while since we've thought that. But I agree with you. If Murdoch's fit, he's got to start. Steele struggles in a four, certainly mm-hmm. right back. So if it's a back four, then I think Murdoch's got to go right back. And yeah, well, I think especially a game like Falkirk, if Wallace is fit, he's got to play. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree with that. So after the game next week, that'll be 27 games down. So we'll be three quarters of the way through the season. We're heading into the final stretch. Just to to finish this little bit off, looking at the league table, right now Cove played 26, 55 points. Airdrie played 26, 50 points. It looks a two-horse race for the title. Who have you got? Is there any way that Airdrie's going to catch Cove here? Possible, but I think Cole will see it out. A good team. Only lost three games all season. Scored a lot of goals, don't concede many. I think I, they'll do it. I, I quite like how they play. I think they... I've, I've watched a couple of their highlights that's not been East Fife stuff, just because it's come up as, as recommended videos and stuff on, on YouTube. Always dangerous for me, recommended videos. But I, I like how they play. It'll be interesting to see... Cause I still think of them as a really small club, and obviously they've got money behind them. It's how they would do it in the championship. Could they do what our broth are doing, or do they need a couple of seasons of stability to, to make it there? I don't, I don't think they would go up and challenge straight away unless they spend a lot of money. I mean, if, if they stay part-time, there's an advantage to that because you get the best players that are willing to go part-time but and they've got the local catchment area as well which always helps yeah i mean i think they could do okay they've certainly got the budget you know when sometimes when part-time teams go up you think to yourself you know they don't have the budget to to strengthen but cove do so i mean you know i'm sure aberdeen cast-offs next season will be there with a big net and a check oh yeah a few more of them i mean shay logan could probably still play in the, the Premier League. Maybe not start every week, but he'd still be able to get there. The boy Vigors, Fraser 5A, Mitch Megginson's a, a championship player. Um, although Doug's not a big fan of him, but he definitely is a, is he, a good he's player. He's a great player. I, I'm uh, a big fan of Mitch Megginson. I thought you said... That you no, I was never a huge fan of Rory McAllister, only just because he never seemed to score that often against us. But but he's... Oh, no, Megginson's class, really. That that game I went up to uh, Boxing Day, he was really really good. I, I think I think Cove will do it, but I've been impressed with Adrian. I must say, I think they play good stuff. Yeah, they've su- really surprised me. I think Megasin to Cove is kind of like what Bobby Lynn was to Arbroath when they were coming up from the through the leagues and stuff. He's kind of their talismanic player. Looking then at the who's maybe going to make it into the playoffs. Montrose, they're definitely in the playoffs, and they're not going to catch the top two. So you've got Queen's Park in 4th just now in 36th. 36. Falkirk in 32. Clyde in 31. 
I'd probably rule Aloha out unless they go in a mad, mad rush. I think it's probably between Queen's Park and Falkirk. Do you think Falkirk have enough to do it? Do they have to do it? Are their fans going to turn well, even more if they Falkirk don't? Falkirk had a run at Falkirk had a decent run of form, and I think they'll take it because they've got a better team, I would say, than Queens Park, and I think that they've they could turn it on a bit better than Queens Park. Um, I mean, really, you look at Falkirk's team; they should definitely be doing better. Um, I'd I'd fancy Falkirk to sneak in. I'm going to go for Queen's Park. I think that they're very similar this season in terms of you know their full time. Um, they've put together a squads that should be doing a lot better than they are. I think yeah, Queen's Park just seem to be closer to me. You know, you look at the game, the number of games they've drawn, the number of games that they they probably kind of dominate and just don't win. I think that you know they're. They just need maybe one step to be the the kind of club that can see that out pretty comfortably. Um, they still don't have a manager. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I sure. I know that's do it, crazy. I don't think Falkirk will. I don't think Falkirk are going to go on a great run. And I think Queens Park they've got that four point cushion. They've scored more goals than Falkirk. They've conceded less. Don't lose very often. I think they'll see it out. Queens Park. It's their drawing, I think, could be their downfall because if they can't snap the amount of draws that they get, they're they're going to get caught a lot easier. Thing is, though, even even like I mean, I'm I'm kind of, just from watching the game yesterday. I'm kind of in the Queen's Park camp. I was actually impressed with them yesterday. I thought they were pretty good. I mean, they had they could easily have scored four goals in that second half with a little bit of luck. When we had two cleared off the line, one hit the inside of the post and pretty much went back into the keeper's arms. Without their main striker, I think I thought they were good. Falkirk, I just think there's too much infighting going on at Falkirk. The fans are unhappy. The you know all the stuff with you know their their AGMs or whatever it was and all these things going on. I just I wonder if that's just really implode again. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'll go narrowly Queen's Park, but I could, yeah, either either or I could probably see it. Clyde have got absolutely no chance. Put it that way. Nah, Clyde, Clyde won't do it. Since we keep saying we're a Scottish football podcast as well, and not just a an East Fife podcast, I want to look at the Scottish Championship quickly because yesterday's results were interesting for a, a couple of reasons. Our both drew nil nil with bottom team Queen of the South. Killy spanked Wraith three oh, nil. Beautiful, which was great, and. Uh, our good friend Jonathan Tippett Aimlers had posted about it was a terrible performance, and I I left a little comment on his Facebook, which I saw that that Doug laughed at, saying, "What you need is a proven goal scorer." <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, look at it's not proven. No. <laughs> 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 yes, allegedly. Looking at that table just now then, Killy's moved level on points with our broth at the top and our broth have a game in hand. Partick Thistle, three mm. games in hand. That if they won their three games in hand, they're also in forty six points. That good form as well, yeah. They're that, lurking, that's gonna yeah. be a fantastic end to the season. Yeah, and we're missing and another couple of Scottish football tidbits as well, but great to see Kelty get beat by 4-4 yesterday. Oh, I didn't yeah. actually look at the League 2 results. Because yeah. 
Like, because they've run away with it, I've been like, eh. Yeah, it's funny because View for the Terrace, not that we want to keep talking about their inferior podcast slash TV show on ours, but um, they tipped um, Kelly to get beat as well. And it's always great watching them get beat because their budget is just so far ahead of anyone else's, but they lost 1-0 up there. Um, Cowden Beef beating Elgin was probably a result that I don't think anybody's seen in there putting a wee bit of form together. There's yeah, I've just looked at that as well. Now. And if three so games in hand, yeah. yeah. So well, will, will Elgin finally get their wish? To go back to the Highland League. Of getting the hell out of the Scottish Football League. Do they not want to be in the Scottish Football League? No. Why, why would they want to be in the Scottish Football League? If they've no money and they've no ability... Oh, absolutely. Of course it does. If you, if you've no if you've no money behind you and you're not you've no chance of sort of doing even what you know your coves and all that the, these high league teams must lose a fortune every year. I mean they've spent more than twenty years in League Two now and you know they've never been promoted and they've come close yeah. a couple of times but I suppose that there is the question for them it's like you know maybe maybe they all do want to stay in League Two and as high as they can but. There's some clubs you look at it and you're like, you know, you've you've been in that league for more than twenty years and you're not getting promoted. And you've got trips to Annan, Stranra. Yeah. yeah. Elgin probably would make more money because they'll get a similar amount of fans, surely. Yeah. Probably more so because they'll get a lot of the local teams. Yeah, they'll get away fans, fans in abundance. Yeah. yeah. The derbies um, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, probably would fancy it. But if we are going to stick to this little section being a Scottish football podcast, what a fantastic result for Rangers um, in Dortmund in Europe. Yeah, in Europe. I I haven't seen it because I was working because it was the early kickoff and mm. I hadn't seen it. But they were like, just reading about it. Well, they were outstanding. Yeah, there's a guy here that's one of the reporters that's German, so he always covers all the German teams, and he was blown away by how well they played. That's a fantastic result. Like that's yeah. up there with the best and results. And then Celtic, Celtic, time. you know, losing yeah, to a team that opposite. didn't have a badge. Yeah. <laughs> they've got a slash in their name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> me, me and my, my uh, aforementioned friend Ewan were watching both games and we kept going on about that is Bodo slash. And we're trying to think, surely there's not another team on the planet that has a slash in their name. It reminded me almost of the Vinegar of Hesselink kind of scenario. Um, yeah, yeah. But to be fair to Bodo slash Glimp, although Celtic were awful, I actually thought they were very good. Yeah, their centre forward is a is is very decent. Um, yeah. He absolutely destroyed them. But again, sticking on the the Scottish football theme, brilliant to see Ross Graham's son. Uh, yeah, also I just Ross read about that this morning. Scoring a goal um, against the the Sticky Buns today, which was brilliant. If you think if you think that highly of yourself that you'll name your son after you, then fuck him. Sorry, Ross. <laughs> Come on, a wee bit of invention. Next, you'll be saying, "Oh, my dad was called Ross. He was a lazy bastard too." Come it comes from a long line of Ross Grahams. Exactly. <laughs> There's a long reign, uh, line of guys here, and two of them have been professional footballers called David Norman, and I think they're up to David Norman the fourth or the fifth or something. But it, it just wow. gets called senior and junior and stuff because it's only two that's made it in the game. But it's like, technically, it's about the fourth or the fifth one. It, they just keep bringing the name on. It's, it's still I, I, better I than... Been... Sorry, Gordon. I did enjoy the seeds from Rangers fans at not getting a couple of what were 
looked stick on penalties as well. Always great considering the amount of rubbish penalties he seemed to get. It was very amusing. I, I just want to finish this little bit off then by talking about non-league football in Scotland. Because, again, we're going to name-check a view from the terrace here. Because I, I was watching it last night and I didn't know that the Highland League now had relegation. Yeah. Potentially, because they've got the, the playoffs. So, I... A couple of years ago, Loch Ness FC. I don't know if any of you have seen that. I don't know if I showed you the strip that I bought. Yeah. So yeah. it's got like Nessie on it and Urquhart Castle and stuff. So I bought a couple of their kits and I've been following the results. So they're top of the North Caledonian League. So they're going to go into a potential playoff with Fort William. Uh, oh, no. So so they'll go into a playoff with probably Banks of D and ah, whoever wins the Kayside Juniors. And then you got a playoff against Fort Williams. All right, so they're probably not going to get past Banks of D then. No, no. I've got a soft spot for Fort. It's not off. Oh, sorry, it's it's O. O. Yes. Uh, Remember the apostrophe, come on. Yeah, sorry. Apostrophe slashes. Yeah, we're talking about punctuated football teams. Yeah. If any any listeners have any more punctuated... uh, Football teams, please, you know, tweet them in. Is, actually, def- definitely do. I'd be quite interested in that. Is, it, is anybody, any teams with brackets in there? <laughs> any colons? Hashtag United. <laughs> I genuinely would be interested in that. I've, I've got a soft spot for Fort William because East Fife played a pre-season friendly up there many years ago. Um, and they were so welcoming and it's a beautiful Clagan Park, well, the pitch itself's fucking horrendous. That's why they're not allowed to play any home games there this year. The drainage is like a way to fuck. But the the setting of it is just mm. like stunning. And it's I think it's better for them that they go out of the Highland League because yeah. they might actually win some games. They'll go into the North Caledonian, I think, yeah. if they get relegated. And I think that's more their level. Yeah, and although they'll have trips to Thurso and Orkney, so financially yeah. it's maybe not Although I think Orkney don't play, I don't think they play their home games on Orkney. Oh. I think they play them on the mainland. I I always think the organisers of the Highland League should just get medals because every year, it's at this time, it's like one game a week gets played. I noticed uh, yesterday there was two games were fulfilled, the rest were postponed. Yeah. And you've you've always got like one team who's played four games and the other team's played 19 and you're like, I don't know how they do it. That's why it's impossible to get out. I'd love to have a season just travelling around watching Scottish non-league stuff, Highland League, yeah. North Caledonian League, the junior stuff. Yeah. I'd love to go you more remember, non-league You may remember Jonathan Tippett-Silmer, who you just mentioned. He spent a season following Clark Nacudden. Oh, so he, he did? He'd seen pretty much all of the Scottish league grounds and he was a bit bored of going to you know, Stirling Albion four times a season. So he went to, he supported Clathcoggin for a season, took the train because he doesn't drive, and he did. Their, he ended up doing their programme. He made their programme every week. That's right. I, I, I had an article in it every week called Weird Sports of the World or something like that. I can't remember what, what it was called. Where was Kabaddi in it? Uh, of course. Well, of course. But yeah. Well, I mean, Gordon, you're looking forward to that. If we wait a couple more seasons, we could have a season of Lowland League to, to yeah. follow his five around. Hopefully it, it, it doesn't get to that. But I just love that we've got that pyramid system now because I've always loved the English right. non-league stuff. And I haven't been to... 
well, I've been to a few of the Highland League ones when we've played friendlies up there o- over the years and cup ties. I've been to Clack and the Curtains ground, or their old ground, when they played Cowden Beath. We, we went there for a game and we were just abusing the Cowden Beath. We were right <laughs> behind the bench just, and we had an East Fife flag and we hung it over and we were just abusing them non-stop during the game. And then we got asked to move. <laughs> anyway. Uh, what else have we got to talk about, Lee? Do we have much of a mailbag? Yeah, we had a few tweets in. Um, Blair from Gunner Designs um, asked us, and he was obviously teeing up his release for tonight about what our favourite East Fife home and away shirts are from over the years and what was the first East Fife shirts we owned. I think we've kind of talked about that before, um, so we'll maybe not go too much into it, but what he did subsequently release were his mock-ups of the shirt designs for, for next year, like what he would like to see us do. Clearly a very talented guy, but the shirts were absolutely stunning. Yeah. Particularly that third kit. Is I love like, the third kit with the old badge. Wow. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if they would... I, I guess they own that badge. Cause it's not the one with the little wee man on the horse, which they don't own. No, I mean... <sighs> I'd imagine we could get them made that happen, but all three of the kits are nice. I would love to see us return back to our home strip, um, like of the the stripes next season. Don't get me wrong, I do like the tartan, but I've been told that the tartan will stay for next year, which is a bit strange because that's been like two years. Um, I think it's a good seller, though. I, it's I mean, like, really, it's a good marketing it. thing. Think about it. How many people that if you're an East Five fan, you the bot if you're going to buy the bottom yeah. now, right? Yeah, so, but I think they might be looking at maybe other markets like I talked about Loch Ness FC because I, I bought the kits can't and I even fill right advertising here. boards Mike I don't think oh, we'll yeah, be um, that commercially into the market but I mean I, I there's a lot of kit like, collectors though I get that but equally I'd like to see us replace our kit at least every two years I would actually prefer to see us have a new home kit every year um, it's a good money spinner for the club um, in terms of most fans will, will buy kits yeah um, I'm torn on that because I I see it as a money grab in a way but you could change you could have like what they do over here is you've got your kits for two years so you've got your home kit for two years your away kit for two years and then every year there's at least one new kit you alternate it yeah so it, it yeah, alternates and there's a new home nice kit or a new away yeah. kit and I got you guys yeah. to look at the new Portland away kit earlier, which, which we'll delve into. Honking, and let's not give that any airtime. But yeah, I think I believe that we are looking at a new kit. I think the red one that we've had for a, a good few seasons now will get replaced next year. Good, I'm not I a fan of that. The, no, I, I actually tweeted the club with one. I think it's from um, Los Angeles kit um, next season. That's a black and gold one from our Twitter page. Yeah, it it's got weird Adidas number. Yeah, yeah. Geo- geometric stuff on it yeah. I hate Joma as a sport, uh, shirt sponsor the shirts don't fit if you're chubby um, so I would much rather see us bring in like an Adidas or a Nike something that's a bit you know uh, maybe a bit more suiting to I'd, the, I'd the like Kappa gentleman. Kappa although Ka- uh, Ka- Kappa guess, is actually we're... worse than Joma for fit wise I'm guessing we're not Adidas or Nike because we're shite <laughs> but, but you can it's still cool. get the. they won't do you like a a custom, a custom thing like maybe Joma do a bit of customization. I think that's you, can still, you can still buy like you know an Adidas. You know they've got their ranges 
and their colours. And you, you could probably just go on and say, I will take that one. Yeah, because yeah. like over here we do this. They've like there was some seasons, and it's a bit different this year because some weird and wacky ones. It was a set template, and all the kits kind of looked pretty much identical, just with mm. a couple of little colour changes here and there. Like, like and then Peter this Head, they've gone sure. fucking weird. I'm sure Peter Heads have Adidas kits because they just take the, the shade of blue that they want and yeah, you know, cool. Take a, yeah, I I, I like think, Macron. Uh, uh, the rugby guys, the Canadian Premier League guys, and the uh, A League and a few of the non-league uh, Australian teams use Macron, and they've got a really good, good selection of kits. I think it's got it, it's got to be black and gold stripes for me. Yeah, I, I, I'm a traditionalist, and I, I didn't mind the sort of tartan experiment thing. I I bought it. I don't mind it, but it's just not. It's not. It's not right. I, I think there's certain. I don't like. You remember the black '95, '96 one with the the, the orange sort of gold trim yeah. thing. I mean, as a one-off kind of thing, I don't mind it. But get back to the black and gold stripes for me. We we've I, got a fantastic like traditional kit. It's really distinctive, and I think it looks really good. And we very rarely use it. You know what I mean? Yeah. We just now. Fair enough. I'm I'm in favour of like going traditional. Then maybe trying something a bit different, and then going back traditional again. But I was looking through the historical kits on our website, and very rarely do we have like our what I see is our proper traditional kit, which mm. is the quite thick black and gold stripes, white shorts. Very rarely have we ever played in that. Mm. I mean, I know our listeners won't be able to see it, but I'll show you like my favourite East Fife kit ever. Yeah, but the promotion. Winning kit with the timber yeah. centre on it, Pilus Banana. I, did, I, did, I didn't like the the sleeves. I thought the Andrew Forrester one we had by Lecoq Sportif was the best one we had mm. when we were in the Division One. Yeah, that was a I, good I one. Yeah, proper. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I like that one better. The yeah. first kit I bought because I'm old was the new Olympic one. Looking at historical kits, it looks like it's the 1986 87 season. Ricky Horse? No, Weems Construction. Ah, yeah, yeah. Got that in a box right up there behind me, and then I've got pretty much most of the kits since then. But yeah, if you look at it on that site, there is very, very few seasons where we just have the mm. have the, I think the first. The first one I had was the the, the sort of pinstripe one. Yeah. Oh, in the the nineties. The way kit was beautiful. Yeah, the, the, way the kit smallest was neck ever. Yeah. 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 That was a nice kit, though. I bet, yeah, the away kit was smarter. That, that was the same year where we had the deck chair. Uh, yes. Third, third kit, which was regarded as one of the worst. The, the one that never got much uh, much of a look in was the tartan third kit we did. Aye, because we, we not only wear it one time. We only I wore bought, it when I we played that. Man United. Yeah. I yeah, but it was, it was quite nice as well, wasn't it? it was, mm. I liked it. It was really nice. It was soft material. It was, it was a... I, still have it I still wear it out and about I'm not sure I'd overly go with how it feels against my skin is the reason that, for liking it do you know like football, football shirts you know, football shirts like from the 90s used to be like right proper nipple shredders you know if you if you yeah. like if you played football in them you'd have like bloody nipples by the end of the game they were terrible we could bring one of those out get a special market there's I mean I'm, I'm sure there's a demand from certain segments of the community out there for that do you know one of the kits that I actually liked and I was really gutted I never bought it and I've tried to find it even on like eBay or whatever 
was the kit that we won the league with under Gary Naismith. And it wasn't like a black and gold stripe one, but it's like the one that had the OLS sponsor on it. And oh, got, yeah. Uh, the, just the plain one? Yeah. The home, home kit. I've got yeah. it upstairs. I never wore it because it's such badly made, but I'll hand it to you happily. Oh, perfect, because that's the next one that could go on the wall. I really like that shirt. How does it feel uh, against it, your skin, It's very it? long. It, it just felt a little rough on the skin, if I'm being honest. <laughs> it, it, it's just very long. Like, it was, it was a weird... Yeah, weirdly made. What if we kind of oiled you up? Would it feel nicer? <laughs> I'll I mean, do that. Slide on it. it would slide <laughs> on a little easier, sure, sure. We could do. Right. We could video that. That could be one of our next videos that we release. YouTube Everything's live. better with oil. Everything's better with oil. Uh, on that note, seagulls and some dolphins and seals would disagree. Oh. Very true. Yeah. Very true. But, yeah, but on that note, anything else we want to talk about? <laughs> No, I, I think that essentially the, the mailbag, a lot of stuff was like, um, I've tried to to bring into conversation anyway, the, the sort of Jack Healy ones, et cetera, et cetera. I've talked about the, the shirts. Even seen some positivity from Zach Aitken, um, which is pretty much like an eclipse. Um, so good to see a, a positive, couple of positive tweets coming from you this week, Jack. Um, Zach, even um, apart from that, not much other content, and we're an hour and a half in, and our listeners will be bored to tears with our nonsense. I'm going to give a very quick final, Doug's final thought, and that is going to be Do you think we'll get so close to avoiding relegation and we'll not make it? And we'll think the board got this wrong and they should have sacked Young earlier. So I'm mm. I, I've been more thinking we're going to get agonizingly close to it and then still get relegated. Last game of the season. Yeah. I think that's worse yeah, than just getting be. relegated in March yeah. because it's like you've got that hope right to the end and then it's just... Mm-hmm. But that's that's been an East Fife fan at the bat, isn't it? It's, it's the oh, yeah. It was you. like that time we went to Dumbarton, the last game at Bulkhead. I was there I mean, with my big inflatable um, champagne bottle. Give the ball to Tom. Give the ball to Tom. That's all you heard for about 10 games. Yeah. Tom. <laughs> Uh, yeah. we, we, should, we should do a top 10 of, of ask the question. heartbreaking moments one more dancer okay. Michael will we finish bottom yes or no yes Gordon yes Doug yes so ultimately all the 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 hype and everything that, oh, we might have a chance we might have a chance we we'll all ultimately agree that we're still down. It's not hundred percent. It's not hundred percent, but I think it's over fifty percent probability we're going to finish bottom. And who wants to listen to us for the next two months going on about? Oh, this is fucking shite. We're going to be bottom. <laughs> well, we get about one hundred and fifty to two hundred people a week that have been doing that but, since August, so we're doing true. not too bad. So, someone the, did send us a message on Twitter. I can't remember who it was off the top of my Andrew head. It, no, it's it might it was about the fact that it was nice to hear a positive show last week. Oh, it was nice to get a positive result. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we'd oh, love to have more positive that, shows yeah. if, if you're listening to East Fife. Yeah. It was Andrew Doig, um, oh, who we mentioned earlier. Yeah. But to, to wrap up the show, we did get a tweet this week for a boy that I went to school with, but I've not spoken to him for years, and, and Andrew Rafferty, and he just said, hey guys, just wanted to send a message to say thank you. I've not been to a game for quite a while, mainly due to work commitments, but managed to take my son yesterday, and while it was a draw, we both thoroughly enjoyed ourselves. He was asking lots of questions about the squad and the club, and I was able to answer most of them because listen to your podcast every week. So while I've not been in quite some time, you guys have been able to keep me up to date, so at least I didn't look stupid in front of my son. Keep doing what you're doing. Really enjoyable listen every week. Doug's a wanker, and thanks again. 
Yeah. Is that what he said? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm thinking I know Andrew as well, but anyway, yeah. You probably <laughs> do know Andrew. He's a great guy. Um, ah. I, I think top 10, like, heartbreaking games, like, disappointment games or top whatever, I think that would be a good... I yeah, let, let, let's work on that for when Please. relegation is secure. Just pile the I, agony I, on. I generally thought Gordon was saying, I mean, let's top 10 would be all right this season. <laughs> <laughs> We're it's going to be hard to narrow down top 10. I'll be happy with top 10, yeah. I could tell you I could tell you mine right away was when uh, Greg McDonald, Sterling Albion beat us in the playoffs. Oh. And Greg celebrated and I, I was like, oh. saw it to the table in my face like, this is doubly sore. <laughs> <laughs> the the season we fucked up promotion 2006-2007 that was horrible for me because I had delayed emigrating to watch this win promotion and then I did emigrate and then we won promotion the next season so that was a fucking kick in the balls but at least I got back over for the trophy presentation and it cost me going to see the under 20 world cup here because I had tickets for the Under-20 World Cup and I cancelled all that to watch us get fucking promoted and we didn't. Anyway. Michael's getting very angry. I'm getting angry now. <laughs> I've not had a coffee yet this morning. And on that note, thanks as always for listening to the show. Hope you've enjoyed it. You know where to find us all by now. At Glory Days of Gold on Twitter, Glory Days of Gold at gmail.com if you want to get in touch. Lee's always in charge of that. He's on the ball. I just get lots of weird notifications at weird times of day. But that's okay. We'd like to hear from you. Until next time, though, we'll be back soon. Hopefully, we can go and smash some bairns and talk about that in next week's show. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Stay safe. Mon the Fife. Bye, everyone. Lord Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better. All conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 And I was just a boy I knew I'd have to wait there's broken dreams and what might have been at that stadium by the shore But those glory days ago might return once 